This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have my man, Jess Dantis from Zenjuries. And I'm pumped about this episode because I love technology that comes from the insurance industry, and my man has got the secret sauce. What's going on, Jess? Hey, how do you do? Good to be with you, boys. Absolutely, man. It's our pleasure to have you. So as we typically do, why don't you give everybody sort of your backstory so that they understand where the tech's coming from, and then we're going to dive in and talk about Zendries and how that's making a difference in agencies and for clients across the country. Fantastic. So first, let me start out by saying thank you. I really appreciate having the opportunity to be with you guys and your listeners. Um, Secondly, I'll just throw it out there. Um, I'm a big nerd for insurance. Uh, I love it. And I know that's not cool. But maybe some (laughs) of your listeners can take that and say, hey, there there are some people out there. This this industry is starting to change and it is getting pretty cool. And, you know, this podcast right here this this episode is a testimony of what's happening on the grander landscape uh and i think what you're doing is super cool so great job all your other stuff is really cool i'm following all that stuff too so this is a a great opportunity for me just to talk to some of your folks that are in the trenches as i like to say and you kind of alluded to it i was born in the trenches too that's where i come from uh I've, i've been in the insurance industry Right out of college, uh, you know, I know I look like just a spring chicken, uh, but it's been 24 <laughs> years and, that I've done this, and uh, I'm one of those people. They always say in, people get in, in insurance by default, you know, they kind of wash out. There's nothing else. Well, I did it on purpose, you know. My, my uncle had an agency, and his sons were my cousins and my best friends, and we decided we wanted to follow in those footsteps, wear Old Spice and drive Chryslers, and so... <laughs> You know, we, we didn't we didn't get the Chryslers and the old spice, but here we are, you know, twenty four. That's years only ago. because they quit making English leather, man. I know, I know. I still have a bottle. I think it's like seventy two years old. I'm afraid to use the last of it. But um no, so uh, for me, being in the insurance industry, I mean it's really, really cool in lots of ways. You meet a lot of cool people, but I was always commercial, uh, had a heavy hand in the contractors side of things. And you learn a lot, you know, you learn business in general, which nobody tells you how this is going to work, but you end up learning a lot by being in this industry. And then you've got to go try to truly, if you want to elevate your game, you've got to try to learn how insurance works, you know, and, and the way we license producers and things like that, you can get licensed just by passing a test and you could literally go sell insurance to Disney World or GE or anybody that you can convince you've got a better product, but it doesn't make you capable, right? It just makes you, it makes you legal. And so mm-hmm. for me, capability was a big thing. And for years, I kind of hid the fact that I didn't know squat about insurance. That's the G version, listeners. Um, <laughs> I didn't know anything, but I knew how to sell because I like people and people like me back. So I was really good at selling stuff. And my uh, uncle ended up selling his insurance agency to a big bank aggregator back in the day, and I was in that purchase, and it was real eye-opening. And for me, it gave me two years of really understanding insurance at a much, much deeper level, and I did start to learn. And then I really 
got burdened uh, to want to help my clients, which really turn into your friends, right? Uh, everybody knows as time goes on, you build your book. These people depend on you and they trust you and they do start to look at you as a trusted advisor. And when you know in your heart, you're not, uh, it really starts to mess with you mentally. And that's kind of what happened to me. And I decided I was going to go build my own brick and mortar, put up a shingle and uh, see if I could do this on my own. But I had a grander purpose in my heart. And uh, it actually came from having claims that weren't covered. And I, I literally remember three times where we had a huge, powerful attorney. We went up to like the 16th floor. And when we, before we'd go in the room uh, for this arbitration, they would tell me, you know, you don't say a word and we'll take care of all this. And they would, I'd walk in the room, there'd be my client. He'd have his attorney on one side. I'd be there on the other side of the table. We're looking at each other and I'm like, I, I want to say so many things. But they just literally obliterate him and just kind of say, well, did you read your policy? No. You know, why not? Is It's not important to you. It's a legal contract. Is that how you treat all your legal contracts? And they just just abused him. And he's looking at me like, mm, boy, I'd like to get you in the parking lot. And so, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's crazy, man, because the thing is, too, if you ever go into like not, not even just the deposition, but um, – you know, I've participated in like discovery calls for EPLI claims, DNO claims, and most recently, I've got a client that's dealing with a nasty uh, class action on a cyber slash professional claim. And you know, as the agent, and I think this is important for everybody in the audience to hear. And guys, you know, we want to do the right thing by our client. We want to be present, and we want to know what's going on so that we can always advise them the best. But it is extremely, extremely important to know that as the agent who is not the insured, you are not protected by attorney-client privilege in those conversations. Anything at all that you say can be used completely against you, and you will have to go get your own representation to defend yourself because you ain't getting any from the policy. You're not protected there. So continue on, but I wanted to bring that up because you know I've gotten to the point now at this stage in my career where when I get on those calls, I clearly say, hey, look, I'm here to listen only. Please do not ask me any questions. I'm well aware of my rights and lack thereof under attorney-client privilege, and I'm simply here to gain information so that I can advise my client uh, privately if needed. Yeah, and that's a great point. And as the, it, only, it only takes like one or two of those to kind of have it tattooed on your heart forever. you know. And it's kind of one mm -hmm. of those moments in life for me that I walked out of that meeting and this was like the third one and I walked in and listen on our side of the table they're high-fiving in the hall hey we just won that and I'm, I'm leaving in the parking lot thinking I, I have never felt worse you know and I was like I went home oh it's so funny looking back but I went home and told my wife that I was going to start our own agency and I quit today and we just had our second baby I have four kids and we just had our second kid and uh, I had, I, listen, I was a successful producer, so I was making some pretty good chump change and had great benefits. And I walked home to nothing. I mean, literally just a thought in my brain and quit and said, I'm going to do it different. And I was just so passionate. And that poor thing, she went along for the ride. And uh, thank God she was. But looking back, it probably wasn't the greatest exit strategy, but I felt it, man. It was the force and I was going to use it. Um, but when I did that, I, we started out, we created something we called Minesweeper. And it was this, this, this program and had a little bit of software, a lot of elbow grease, where we just swept policies looking for what we call live minds. These things where instead of doing, doing proposals where everything's covered, right? Here's what you get. Here's the enhancement. Here's all this mm -hmm. crap. Window dressing. We went straight to here's what you don't have. <laughs> you know, you don't have this. You don't have this. You don't have this. And just kind of added it all up and gave it to them. And they're like, holy cow. You know, I had no idea. And I was like, well, that's, that's how it's been for 20 years, by the way. This isn't like your first year it's been like this. It's always been like this. And we just were super mm -hmm. successful. But as time went on, what's the one policy you cannot sweep? It's a work comp policy. You know, the, the anomaly. It's only six pages, man. There's nothing there to sweep. There's I nothing mean, you can do to it. It just is what it is, right? And it's kind of like, it's also about... I mean, listen... You can you can see everything you need to know about what's missing from a comp policy on the yeah, deck page yeah. or the, or the rating the ratings exactly. breakdown. I mean, mm -hmm. literally, it's it's only missing credits or the mods and it's or payrolls and class codes and all of class, that. But I yeah. mean, it's and one it's, sheet, and it's usually the most <laughs> expensive and the most dimly viewed by the policyholder. Right? It's the most confusing. They yep. feel screwed if they do, screwed if they don't. They call it a necessary evil. You have to buy it by law. I mean, just all kinds of 
horrible connotations. And um, we knew Mm -hmm. we were going to have to solve that a different way. And uh, as time went on, we had a book of business, ran a bit of a fever, and we wanted, we were out of contingency money, but more than that, we were just not delivering a really good user experience. And that was a burden for me, you know, coming from where I came from. And so we knew that as we, I sat on a lot of agency councils, probably like you guys, you know, and you sit there and you go around the room and you hear all these agents from around the nation say the same redundant crap, you know, and it's just this, the kissing fannies, shaking hands. And I was just sitting there one day, just, you know, grumpy boy, just sitting at the end of this. It's the quick smile and the firm handshake, man. That is the badge of honor in the agency <laughs> well, world. You know how you just kind of had enough one day? It's just, I had got one of those days. I had had enough. I, I I just couldn't stand it anymore. It was just all so fake. And I'm a big authenticity guy. I want stuff to be real. And as we were coming back on a flight, I was coming back on a flight, I took out a notebook, like just literally like this one right here. And I just started drawing on it and started saying, all right, how do you fix workers' comp? How can you really do this? Because there's a lot going on here, and it is so disconnected. You got Peter over here, Paul over there, Betty in the back, and they're all in different cities, towns, states. You know, and it's just crazy. And and so I started like mapping out if it, if you had the magic wand scenario, what would you do? And so I drew all this stuff mm-hmm. and thought, you know, if we could just connect the dots, you're gonna have a lot more efficiencies. You could erase the fat, the fluff, and the waste that's just in every work comp claim. Um, and so it was just pie in the sky, but being naive really helped me. And by the way, I was incredibly naive when I started this journey and I just had some friends that were in coding. I did enough that could kill us all and get us arrested, but, uh, they were kind of a lot better at it. So we sat there and, you know, mapped it out and we kind of built this first, uh, minimum viable product is what we called it. And we put it out there and I was scared to death because these people trusted me, but we put it out there on my book alone. And lo and behold, this book of business uh, ran a fever. For five years, we averaged about a 52% loss ratio. And the first 12 months that went by where people were using our software, it went to a 9% loss ratio in 12 months. And I was like, holy bleep. And I was like, well, that has to be an anomaly. You know, let's kick it forward another 12 months before we kind of really peel this onion back and see if we're really all that. And it held under a 10% loss ratio. We got a big fat contingency check. This is one carrier we were exploring with. And guess what? You know, I get a knock on the door almost instantly. They're like, all right, we're, we're in insurance. We're, all we do is the law of large numbers. We recognize an anomaly. What are you doing over here? And I was like, man, should I tell them? Should I not tell them? So I did tell them. And uh, they're like, well, dang, can you use that? Can you help other agencies? And, of course, me, I was like, hell no. You know, I'm going to squash these agencies. You know, they're dead. I, I'm coming and hell's coming with me kind of thing. And then they were like, well, you know, calm down. You and Johnny <laughs> Ringo, man. <laughs> they, were, they were kind of like, calm down, calm down. What if we started in, you know, all these states way far away? And I was like, you know, and they kind of, we, we talked it out. And I was thinking, you know, we could do that. But, I mean, again, I had no idea what I was doing. Wasn't really sure how to license it and all that kind of stuff. But we did. We did five-state pilot. And they just, so being a work comp claim product, this software, where we reduce work comp claims costs, what do you think the first thing that everybody puts in there is? It's, it's all the claims, you know, so we're getting adverse selection. So the first thing I'm doing is like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to go good, you know, because they are measuring it under a microscope. But after the first 12 months, we had like a 12% loss ratio in the entire book. And then they expanded it to like 20 more wow. states. And we bottom line is we've been doing this now with them uh, for over five years as a, in a group program that's monitored pretty closely. And we're averaging about a 28 to 32% loss ratio globally. And that's in every state, every class code, and in a very claims-heavy business. Uh, is that fully, fully developed? developed? Yes, fully developed. Yeah, so I mean, you got to take that into consideration too, man, because that, that's exactly. several extra points. I mean, so the bottom line is we're crushing it, you know, and and so word has kind of spread a lot, and um, that's that's I'll stop. That was a little rambling. I'm sorry about that, but that is history of how we got here and kind of why we got here. What did yeah, the no, book I'm, look like when when it had the fifty two percent? Like, what was the makeup? What what type of industry was was 
Man, we wrote it all. We were yeah. incredibly general in all things. We just figured that if a business buys insurance, they need us. It's our <laughs> mentality. But, you know, so we, we, from my history, I did have a lot of contractors. So I'd say okay. a lot, I'd say probably at least half that book was contractor heavy, but the rest of it was just across the board. Municipalities, it was uh, a lot of distributors. It was a lot of manufacturers, just the almost everything. Got it. Yeah, that, I mean, it's amazing how age seasons us, man. I mean, because I, I get exactly where you're coming from. You know, obviously we're in a little bit different seats because I don't have a, a technology product that I've personally developed. But, you know, when I launched my agency, I was full of piss and vinegar and I was ready to squash everybody in the country. And I mean, <laughs> you were, I really? was going to be, yeah, <laughs> I was going to be like every state risk partners. And then I finally sat down like a few years ago and I'm like, you know what? I'm too old for this mess, man. Let me create an opportunity for agencies to learn what we know and teach that to them. And we can help them be successful and we're going to monetize it because if, if it's going to ever come down to me having to um, have a, a movement to get into every state in the country, I, I'll never see it. I mean, literally, the Tampa Bay area is like a state, you know, for most people because <laughs> yeah. we have just so much opportunity here. And I realized, you know what, at this point, I'm good. I'm good right where I'm at. I run hard right. enough as it is, and we can have fun doing other things like the podcast or the training community and all of the other stuff that we do. And, you know, I can Well, and then, of course, there's Key West Risk Partners. I mean, that's, yeah, well, I that's mean a, that, that is technically in Florida, thing. however. So, yeah. Uh, well, but it's its own world down there. It's a little bit it different. Is. It is. Yeah. And, I mean, our uniforms will be shorts, flip-flops, and optional tank tops. So, yeah. Mm, um, I love that. Yeah. You're not, not going to wear your tee back? <laughs> you know, it just depends. Usually only on Wednesdays and Saturday nights. But uh, it's a possibility that I could go, you know, seven for seven for the right company visiting. Uh -huh. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, man, because I think that sometimes we do, you know, we get in our own way with our own aggression, right? We want to just go out and try and be all things to all people. And I, I respect the fact that, um, you know, that you guys have, in my opinion, and it probably doesn't feel like that when you're going through it, but I, you've taken a slow approach, man. I mean, you're, you're not talking in blocks of weeks or months. You're talking about a year, two years, mm -hmm. you know, that it's taken to develop. And I think that one of the areas where people are short-sighted is really trying to force something to get to market and then they're really doing their beta test when it's live, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> that's not how you need to do it. So, exactly. I mean, that's that's good stuff to hear. So, dive in a little bit and talk about how these agencies have the ability to benefit from the software that you're that you're using that, that you've created. Yeah. Okay. I love to. So, you know, listen up here, uh, the producers, any of your listeners, uh, if you're on the insurance side of things, and honestly, if you're a business owner, this is important because. There, there are redundancies in workers' compensation, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it, you can almost argue it's the same thing, just different actors every time. And some of the biggest problems with the work comp industry in general is just these giant legacy systems that got built when it first started. And really, nothing's really changed since then. I mean, it's 140 years of the same Think, you know, and you've got a big ivory tower with 7,000 employees running things. That's a lot of overhead, guys, you know. And so um, I won't really dive too deep on that, but let me just kind of talk about some of the redundancies and, and why it has to be different. If you really truly want a better outcome, you have to do something differently, okay? There's only so much white knuckling you can do and impact on any one claim by yourself. So it has to be some automation, okay? And so here's what we kind of recognize. So we wanted first and foremost to connect the dots out here. There's lots of dots in workers' comp, but in our opinion, they were just very disconnected, very disconnected. And usually, not only disconnected, had some walls built in between and that you couldn't connect the dots easily unless you had some sort of Trojan horse to get on the other side of that person's wall. Not easy. Um, a second thing we wanted to do was we really wanted to engage our clients. And I say clients, not customers. You know, customers buy hamburgers at McDonald's. Clients are somebody that you want to have over and over and over that trust you. So mm. we wanted our clients to be engaged a little bit because if you think about it, 
Workers' comp, honestly, in my opinion, this is my humble opinion, it's sold on the wrong side of the table. You know, it's, 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 it's arguably more of a health product than it is a property and casualty product. Because in all property and casualty, you know, if an, you wreck a car, the fender's going to be about the same thing on a 2020 Honda uh, Accord in South Carolina, Florida, California, you know, within a few points. It just is what it is. You know, your property is your property, all that kind of stuff. But workers' comp is a human. So think about this. You can have a 5022 masonry contractor, you know, getting paid 50 grand a year, and he gets hurt in South Carolina, and he gets hurt in, in California. And the guy in South Carolina is a hot dog eating champion, and the guy in California is a CrossFit champion. Well, you got a problem on both ends of the spectrum. You know, this guy won't get mm -hmm. off the couch, just turn it into diabetes 101, and this guy's over here trying to do one arm pull ups, you know, way too early, exasperating the injury. So there's a lot of dynamics that goes into workers' comp, and you have to engage at ground zero. You can't just hand it off to an adjuster and think it's going to go well and they're just going to pay the bills. I mean, that's what happens in the traditional world. But that's not that's not how you're going to move the needle. And then, which by uh, the way, you couldn't have found two worse workers' comp states. I don't think you could might maybe have thrown Illinois in there. But I mean, <laughs> Illinois, South Carolina, too. there's three major yeah, South Carolina, yeah, three three uh, or yeah, South Carolina and California. In my experience, are both brutal. And I mean, I actually dealt with a claim. Kyle and I both did on an account where we had uh, a business that was domiciled in Florida that had brought people in from California that were injured in South Carolina. It's <laughs> awesome. And, I mean, talk about all of the the issues Cruel. with determining which state benefits follow and, you know, which laws are going to apply and all of that other stuff, man. I mean, so I'm just saying that. I get it, dude. I get exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Because, you know, truthfully, I'm not Kevin Ring, right? We talked to Kevin Ring yesterday on the podcast. Dude is literally a walking encyclopedia <laughs> of yeah. workers' compensation knowledge. And, I mean, I was afraid he was going to pull an Alex Trebek and just give me the lightning <laughs> round and, and test me live on my own podcast at one point. But, you know, <laughs> agents don't know that much, right? right? And, and, and let's just be – I'm going to call it what it is. The average agent out there, you know, the one thing they're consistent at is cashing that commission check. Right. But when you talk about getting better or learning and going to continuing ed and becoming an expert on anything, they don't want to do it. So the fact that you can give them a software product that gives them the ability to not have to know something. Oh, man. I don't know what else you could monetize that would be any sweeter than that in the insurance industry, that's truthfully, funny. unless it was just, hey, let me close the deal for you and just yeah. pay you for doing nothing. I mean, that's the closest thing to it. Such a great point, which is kind of what a, is an unknown fruit that has been uh, really awesome on this tree that we've built, you know, because I didn't see that coming, but it's so true. And and honestly, you, you mentioned earlier the time aspect. Time has shown us so many things that I thought I knew. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought every agent had a passion to really learn and know. You know, I was so wrong until I started actually working with agencies. <laughs> I had no idea that we, us producers, were so horrible. <laughs> you know, no, we're not really horrible, guys. Hey, you oh. know what they? You know what they know? They know where happy hour is exactly. and what time it starts hey, and what the what? special is. I can promise so does you this that. Guy. You know, I ain't nothing wrong. Yeah. With that. Well, you know, listen, man, time is important, though. I mean, not just in the development of your product, but I mean, again, in any claim, but workers' comp specifically, that is the most critical element, yeah. in my opinion, no is time. You know, it's, yeah. it's how much time elapses between communications, how much time, you know, I mean, you can go in a million different directions. So I'm, I'm not going to steal your thunder anymore, but I just wanted to bear uh, credence to what you were saying. And the other thing I want to make sure everybody knows is this. There is absolutely no way you are going to be able to comprehend what Jess's software does by listening to him on a podcast, okay? Yes. So I'm going to encourage you to reach out to him. And at the end and in the show notes, we're going to give you the way that you can call or set up a time to get a demo with him because that's the only way you're really going to understand it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had about 15 million things going through my head the day that I did the demo with him. And I reached out afterwards. And I'm like, you know what, brother? We're going to have to get back on again. I remember about half of what you told Redo. me because my head was spinning. Well, yeah. And you know what my problem is? You tell me one thing and I'm like off to the races yeah. thinking, oh, I could do Rabbit this. I could trail. do this. I could do this. And then you've, you've given me like four different things. And that's not how my mind works. And I didn't take my medicine that day. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to make sure that that 
I get to see it again too, because I do think it would be very beneficial for what we do and for our clients. But I'm going to encourage everybody as you're listening to this, hear the backstory behind it, but you're going to definitely want to go and actually touch and feel what the product looks like so that you can get an understanding of exactly what the impact is it's going to deliver to your clients. Yeah. And I thank you for saying that. And guys, listen, here's the biggest thing I can tell you. It's just real results. It's real results. I'm talking about tangible. That's actually my next point was we wanted to impact results tangibly for our clients, you know? So we wanted to connect the dots. We wanted to engage our clients to help them help themselves. That's a big key. You have to understand that. It's not all on us. And you need to hear that. It needs to be, a lot of the burden needs to be at ground zero, which is your policyholder. They just don't know what to do and when to do and how to do. So we had to automate that for them. But then you want to really impact the, the results tangibly, right? Why do all this? There's no reason to jump through these hoops if the needle's never going to move. You know, I needed that needle to really jump, you know, and I didn't want it to jump two, three, or four, or five points. I was in love with this 30 to 60 point thing. Um, and then deliver mm. just unimaginable user experiences because the workers' comp system is just, it's one of the easiest ways to win business, period, right? Is go through the work comp pain hole because it's always a pain. There's, it's always the elephant in the room. Most businesses are not going to tell you, hey, I don't know anything about workers' comp and it makes me feel stupid. You know, they're going to act like they do, but they're going to be just just Debbie Downers about the entire thing. And then they're eventually going to just, I guess, go with price, who's cheapest, because they think it's all the same, right? The same crappy user experience. I might as well just buy the cheapest crappy user experience. And we were like, screw that. That is not how it's supposed to work. You know, it's if you we have ceded the territory to all these attorneys out here. And, and honestly, quite frankly, I was fed up with that. I was fed up with being the used car salesman, except it was just insurance. I was like, screw that. Because ultimately, it's the best product in the insurance world, in my opinion. There's no limit to it. There's no co-pays. There's no deductibles. It pays lost wages. It's an incredible insurance product. It's just we've, sold, we've, we've seeded the ground to all these attorneys saying, have you been hurt at work? Oh, my gosh. Basically implying you're going to get screwed unless you call me. And it and and we when's the last time mm -hmm. you saw an insurance company or an agency say that's just not true. Work comp is awesome. That attorney's a leech. He's just trying to get some of your benefits. All he has to do is get hired, and he gets paid. That's why you see so many commercials. But you know what the thing yeah. is? One phone call stops that from happening, and that's where the ball is dropped, and that's incumbent on the agents not communicating to the policyholder, and I suspect we're going to get into this when we talk about some of the automation stuff that you guys do, but I'm of the opinion that every worker's comp claim is determined in the first 24 hours from the time mm -hmm. of injury, right? And so if you don't call your employee, if somebody in leadership or the owner of the company doesn't reach out and have a heartfelt phone call to say, hey, look... You know, I'm really sorry this happened to you. I just want to let you know I'm going to do everything yeah. in my power to make sure that we get you back so you can recover at work as quickly as you possibly can because we need you, we value you, and this is why I have workers' comp insurance, but I wouldn't want this to happen to anybody, and I just wanted to let you know I care, and I'm here for you, period. If yeah. they hear that message, they ain't going to be sitting on the couch watching Oprah waiting for Morgan and Morgan to <laughs> pop on. But they're just not they're not going to just do that on their own, though. That's something that going back to our conversation with Kevin the other day, I think is important that we do as producers and as their agent on the front end and set the table and, you know, with the expectations of what needs to happen when there is a claim. I think so many times we don't do an effective job of that. And that's and that's where well, it starts. No, that's because we're product whores. We're whoring ourselves out to sell an insurance product, and mm -hmm. we don't care. Once that commission check hits, eh, we're good for six months. We'll pop in, see how they're doing, make sure the preliminary mod's going to be in line with the plus or minus 30 points that I'm able to project just by eyeballing it because I don't waste my time to audit it for my clients. And then we'll come back, and we'll, we'll handle this at renewal again next year. And, oh, by the way, my client's not really feeling any financial pain in real time because the money that's leaking from the financial statements, oh, you mean that happens? There's indirect costs? associated with claims. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. So I'm not even going to talk about it or try and articulate it to them. And by the way, it's guaranteed cost in most cases. So the insurance company is the one who's paying for it. It's not coming out of the client's pocket. They're not going to feel it. And then boom, 18 months later, preliminary mod comes out. Bada boom, bada bing. It is going to hit them in the wallet. And that's what we I, I, this is one of the best conversations I've ever had. This is wonderful. I usually don't get to have these kind of conversations much. And listen, if we're saying this, guys, I'm in South Carolina. These guys are in Florida. 
Everybody is somewhere listening to this. It's just the same thing over and over. So you can fix it. And that's what you need to understand. You know, we're, we're going to give you some solutions here in a minute. But this, what we just said was so pregnant with all kinds of great things. I just kind of want to point out two things. You know, one, <laughs> you, you, you're exactly right. Who are the attorneys? I love that analogy. That's amazing. But yeah, by the way, can I just say I am now going to use pregnant with information multiple <laughs> times. So, I mean, it's just ready to burst. It was so good. I, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Jess, the, the title of this episode is going to be Pregnant oh, wait, with Information you, you featuring like that Jess Davis. It must be a South Carolina I'm thing. I'm going to now. You may even have a belly as if you're in the ninth month of your gestational period. It's, it's, it's your ready. It's, listen, we're, we're going to the hospital. It's time to go. This, this, at the end of the day, oh, you said something that I just kind of want to point out. Listen. Who listen to every commercial you hear about this, which well, you can hear one almost every single second you're on TV. Who do they talk to? Who's the attorney talking to? They don't talk to the business owner. They don't talk to the agent. They don't talk to the doctors. They go straight to the most vulnerable and the most afraid, right? They go straight to the injured employee and their mm-hmm. spouse or their household. Have you been hurt at work? Yes. I have. You know, it's kind of like if nobody has talked to them, you know, what are the, isn't that crazy? Think about this. There's no instruction manual for what's about to happen, you know? So they're just sitting there wondering. Imagine this. Imagine you, you, you go home, you have a busted up knee, you're sitting at home, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon, you usually work till six, and your wife is like, well, what now? Like, I don't know. We yeah, don't have the money for this. For we don't have the money to file this under our health insurance. I mean, again, I'm going to go back to Encyclopedia Kevin Ring on this, and, and that's one of the things we talked about yesterday. Was he gave the percentage, and unfortunately, my short-term memory may have been damaged. My freshman sixty-seven percent, according yeah, to it, you, right? I always <laughs> default to sixty-seven. So, but it was it was it was an abnormally it was ni- high. It was ninety. Um, I, I, he said above ninety. Uh, yeah, you know what? You're right. He didn't tie an exact percentage, but he said it is definitely above 90% of the people who get injured in a workers' comp-related incident. It's the first time that's right. ever happened to them. Yeah, and they right. don't know what to do. And in, 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 from a marketing perspective, because I am as much of a nerd and student of marketing as I am the insurance piece of things, but people, listen to the flipping conversations. Look at the uncomfortable eye contact. If these attorneys were staring at one of your kids on the playground like they are the injured worker on their couch, you'd probably be a little right. uncomfortable about it. But they have the soft music playing. They're compassionate. They don't, I mean, Jess has the golden voice down, you know, the just soothing oh. voice, the the surreal, you know, I, let me put my arm around you. I'm bringing you in. I care about you. You know, all of this stuff. And I mean, that's all marketing. And the reason why is because they know exactly what we've already said. Yeah. We don't do our and, jobs. Right. I mean, there's a, there's some reasons for that. And I'm going to kind of hit on that right now. It's a good segue. So ultimately, insurance is a sales organization with a service obligation. Okay, that's that doesn't sound sexy, but it is what it is, right? So the more successful you are and the more you sell, the more that tail of obligation just comes along and you look at that and you're like, oh god. You know, so you can celebrate a sale, but then you nobody celebrates a service, right? It's like, oh my god, I hope my agency's ready for this. Cause as producers, really, you're not just supposed to be all things to all people. Theoretically, probably in your job description, they want you to sell. Uh, they, they might not want you to be super great at service. They might not want you to be super great at, you know, being uh, knowledgeable about everything. But if you're a good salesman, just about every agency on planet Earth will hire you because it's how you generate income. So it's an important part. But the service obligation is huge and nobody ever talks about it. It's the elephant in the room. And it is a big problem. And it is why a lot of the time insurance agents wear black eyes out here in the, in the society because... Where do you go when they use the product you sold them? You know what I'm saying? It's like, we sold them this product. I even have, this is the first thing I learned five years ago when I started working with agencies all over the nation. I had agencies tell me, hey, I don't want to be anywhere near a claim when they're going through this thing. And I'm like, you're kidding. Like, that's bizarre to me. But I mean, these were big agencies. They were like, hey, no, the last thing I want is this thing to go sideways. And they associate me with 
you know, Travelers Hartford fill in the blank carrier and I get thrown out. You know, I'd rather throw them under the bus if it goes south and say, we'll move you to somebody else. Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and remind them of that at the time of claim and say, hey, I understand that you've just had a claim and and you have some concerns about what may or may not happen going forward. I just wanted to remind you that here at Florida Risk Partners, we are your advocate and we are the middleman between you and the insurance company. We can be your conduit, your mouthpiece, your interpreter, whatever you need. But I want to make sure you remember that we are here for you no matter what you need. We can help you get it done. End of story. You do have to separate yourself from the carrier. You absolutely do because the client doesn't know the difference. And the smaller the business, the harder it is for them to understand that, right? Because they're used to flow. They're used to the lizard. And the agent that they talk to, they've never met. It's over the phone. And they actually are for the carrier as well. But as independents, that's not the case, right? We're not the insurance company. We are independent. And we have an obligation to both our clients and our carriers. It's going to depend in your state how it says, you know, the wording in the insurance company contract that you signed to get appointed and all of that, where your your uh, responsibility lies. But let me explain something to you people. Loyalty does not equal responsibility. And you need to be loyal to your client, number one, first and foremost, because you don't get paid, nor does the insurance company get paid if you don't have that client. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to go out and get an attorney, They don't want to have to deal with the headache and the heartache of depositions and all the other crap that comes with it. But again, it's the simple fact that you don't communicate. You have to set the table the right way and make sure that these people understand your role in these processes. And it's okay to say, I'm not a claims adjuster, okay? Here's what's going to happen. Within the next 24 hours, you will hear from the claims adjuster from the insurance company. And just so that you know, I've set a reminder for myself for 48 hours from right now to follow up with you to make sure that you've heard from that claims adjuster. And I want to make sure that you understand they're going to have questions. So here's some information that you're probably going to need to have. Just set the flipping table. It's a five-minute phone call that we're too busy to make. You know, kind of just on the service obligation what happens is you run, I mean, arguably, you can run out of bandwidth, you know, because there's only so many hours in the day. So as an agency, you know, for the for the C execs in an agency, they know if they're going to continue to grow when they hit the ceiling, they have to put the cart before the horse and hire more people, right, to handle the service obligation if you're going to keep growing because otherwise you're going to start losing your clients because you're not delivering on what you promised. And so we recognized mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems of workers comp is bandwidth. You know, it's just there's only so many hours in the day. And you just brought up a great point. I won't call it pregnant, but it was a great point in the fact that at the end of the day, if you're really going to do this, right? If you're really going to do this, it takes time, energy, and effort. And that's something that, you know, a lot of agents and a lot of producers, a lot of agencies, they have great intentions, but it's kind of like the old uh, Mike Tyson when everybody's got a good plan until they get punched in the face. And you can have a great plan set out, but when the action mm-hmm. starts, you know, you, it com- completely falls apart in a lot of ways. So you can really white knuckle and say, all right, guys, that's it. I swear to God, I'm going to be so good at this on this next claim. And you can maybe do that on your top five, 10 clients, you know, uh, sustainably. But after that, you're, you can't, there's just not enough time. And so we recognized one of the biggest weaknesses on our part was we were just over promising and under delivering because of bandwidth. You know, we had the great intentions, we had great people, but we didn't have the time and we needed automation to do that. So when you said, Hey, you set that reminder, you follow up, Yes, of course you do. But then you have to take the time to create the reminder. You have to take the time to follow up. You have to take the time to come back and communicate that to your team of what happened, you know, what they said. And, and then you have to, it's a, that's a lot, right? And that's just one communication. So what we did at Zendries was we just kind of dissected all of it. I mean, all of it. So we looked at it from a macro level and then we came in and worked on it on the micro level. And so we kind of set the table, y'all's phrase, I like that, and we kind of walked through it and said, okay, we need to reverse engineer every single role because you guys have been doing this a lot, a lot right? You, you know what people need to do, what, when they should do it, who they should do it with, how long they should do it, 
It's just, it was all disconnected. There's no framework, you know, and most of the time you guys already pointed out too, your clients don't know that. Not only is it usually some of the first claim for the employees, a lot of times it's the first claim for the insured business, or it's been a long time since they've had a claim, right? We're all trying to get them to the lowest controllable mod. And the way to do that is to be super safe. The way to be super safe is prevent injuries. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so let's just say it's been five years since they've had a claim. You think they're going to remember how to do best practices in their role? Of course not. You know, so and here's the other thing you, you guys already alluded right. to this. And this again, I like that you alluded to this stuff because it just proves this, these are global problems. These are global work comp problems. But people don't know what to do, when to do, how to do, who to do it, how long they should do it. But they should. And you and people don't want to. Uh, learn what they don't want to know. You know, they don't care. Ultimately, they say they do, but ultimately what they want is an easy button. You know, they're like, where's the flipping technology so I don't have to do all this? I'm sick of your webinars. I'm sick of your lunch and learns. You know, just give me some button to push and all my problems go away. And so that was our thought process. If we could do that, maybe we could get users to use that. And so we reverse engineered all these different roles with what we considered those roles to be best practices. Kind of like you were talking about, David, uh, after 48 hours, this needs to happen and that person needs to do it. And then it needs to skip over to this person. So we literally started building framework with all these algorithms that were just telling everybody in those roles what to do, when to do, how to do, who to do with, how long they should be doing it. And so they don't have to learn a thing. All they have to do is respond to the prompts, respond to the automation. And if you're in a role, you have to. <laughs> Ultimately, you can ignore it, but it's going to embarrass you in front of your team and embarrass you in front of your teammates. And it's going to get that action. It'll actually start pinging other people saying, hey, is Kyle still alive? You know, which is actually funny. But ultimately, we have run into things where that user was gone, you know, that for one reason or another. And we, you know, especially some of these TPAs out here, we had one claim that ran through 12 adjusters, people, 12 different adjusters. They would quit. They'd get recruited somewhere else. They, whatever, for whatever reason, this one file, one case went through 12 adjusters. So imagine that if you're the injured employee. Imagine that if you're the employer and ultimately you don't know, they don't call you every time they change adjusters. You have no idea why the claim stopped. All you know is that your client's pissed. It's not going good. The claims are inflated, you know, and you're trying to undo this nest of knots that, that is this work comp claim when it never needed to be that way. It never needed to be that way. And that's what our automation does. It just makes, makes sure like you can take somebody that knows nothing about workers comp and get them to play like an absolute veteran, a seasoned pro, and if they're in one of these roles. And you can also take a seasoned pro and, and you can get them to have amplified bandwidth times a lot. It just helps them have the bandwidth they've never had before because what our automation does is it takes all those high volume, low value tasks like setting reminders, following up, you know, that's high volume type of stuff that really honestly doesn't have that big of a value. But when you accumulate all that over the life of a claim, it does have a big value. Right. So we automated all of that. So people don't have to learn it. They don't have to know it. All they have to do is be in a role and press some buttons. It's an app on their phone. It's an app on the computer. Um, it's all intertwined. And it's just <laughs> it's just been working really, really well. Nice. What's been, it's kind of a two-parter, um, what's, what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned through this experience of, of developing this product? And then give us like a, a win that you've had without, you don't have to give specifics on who or where or whatever, but um, I'm curious as to those two things. Sure. Yeah. So I guess the, one of the biggest eye-opening things for me, I'll, I'll give you two. One, part of our um, software, it literally automates all claims it's just work comp on rails and so one mm -hmm. of the things that our clients asked us to build was an appointment tracker you know where we just simply can just track the appointments the doctor's appointments of these or we gave them the capabilities to do that okay and so what we found out was over 50 percent five zero percent of these appointments were not being kept by the injured employee it was just like they thought hmm. it was optional 
And you talk about everything coming to a screeching halt. It really inflates costs and things like that. And so when we gave them the ability to track these uh, appointments, we're number one, we're instantly able to get them back on track quickly, which is a big deal. But for the ones that actually do go, we instantly get the notes. We know, is there any impairment rating? Is there any restrictions? Can we go back to light duty? Can we go to full duty? I mean, stuff like this, agents never see. And you can literally have that on an app on your phone. And you can just, you get a ping and you pull it up on it. You can read the PDF and you can be like, well, doggone. You know, we can, something that all of a sudden has a $40,000 reserve. You might be able to talk to the adjuster and say, look, it looks like we can go light duty. I mean, I'm thinking either get this thing down to a $20,000 reserve, unit stats in, you know, four weeks. Uh, it just, all of that has a, a really big impact. And it was really cool to see our users actually taking advantage of little things like that. And then the second thing that, that really kind of surprised me was we have a lot of agencies. You can see our map on Zendry's uh, growing of agencies. It's, it's kind of down at the bottom. You can see the United States and click on a, a state and it just shows all the agencies in there. But as the agencies were coming on, we realized that a lot of them had really good intentions. So in the beginning, we only sold a do-it-yourself plan where we sold them the licenses and they could just have unlimited use to the licenses and things. And honestly, it surprised me that so many of them used it poorly. I'm just going to be honest. They just used it poorly where they're not putting it in play. And I kind of wanted to know, you know, why are you after like 10 or 20 clients putting it on the shelf? You're not really, you have unlimited usage of this thing. And it got down mm -hmm. to the simple answer of bandwidth is like they locally ran out of time to put all their clients in there and manage them. And so I was like, wow, that's incredible. And so we launched something uh, at the beginning of this year, actually called the pro plan where we actually now put a quarterback on or a Zendry's professional on every team. And so we onboard their clients, we get them to, you know, create their profiles and we walk with them through claims. And so the automation's pushing that claim from start to finish anyway, but now we have a pro just making sure everybody stays on point. So now you can literally use it in an unlimited capacity and it's just been phenomenal. So those two things have been huge nice. and they've really been able to move the needle quite a bit. Very cool. Cool. So how do they find you, man? I mean, we're getting, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I want to, I, I want to dive as deep as you want to dive into, but I also don't want to get so close to the end that they don't have the ability to know how to get a hold yeah. of you. So why don't you make your shameless plug now and then we'll wrap it up and we're definitely going to have you back on because this could be two, three hours easily. And so <laughs> well, I'd love to, uh, and we can get more. You know, I'm, I'm just, pre I'm pregnant with ideas over here. Um, <laughs> burst baby burst come on <laughs> i'm working on my breathing <laughs> you ever see the old bill cosby stand-up special where he was talking about the pregnant lady breathing i don't think we can talk about bill cosby anymore can we is that is that still i still like jello pudding yeah. pops because of him <laughs> that's what i'm doing bill man cosby? Like, i don't doing. even know what you guys are talking are about just... but i do yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy that was hiding behind the tree handing you a pretty yeah he's a, he was the one talking all creepy um but yeah they can find us at like the attorneys <laughs> yeah we you can find us at zendries.com and we have some um just some easy ways for you to uh smash a button and request a demo uh, it's a live calendar so you can just find a time that works for you and just you know we'll meet you in there um if it's available you can book it and usually it takes about 30 minutes, but the 30 minutes go super fast. You know, David, I mean, it flies because we try to get a lot in a little bit of time. But there's three main things I just want everybody to understand what we do. Because we, there's a lot that Zendries does, but there's three pillars of how it really, truly moves the needle. And number one, you got to have boots on the ground with your client. You have to give them this platform to have these digital teams and the best time to fix a leaky roof is when the sun is still shining, not when you're in the middle of the hurricane or it's a big rainstorm. You don't want to be over there with buckets and tarps. You want this ready before the gates ever swing open. And that's a critical piece of it, right? You can't say time out, wait a minute, we're not ready. It's got to be ready now. And it gives you as a producer an instant deliverable that's not just a price. It's not just a product. It's literally you're getting them ready to play the game. And the users love that. That's number one. Number two you have to overcome, this is big, you have to overcome lag time reporting, okay? This whole idea 
that I need your data hire, growth weekly wages, uh, marital status, height and weight. None of that matters when the guy's arm's pointing in the wrong direction in the back seat of somebody's car hollering and they're just looking for a place to take. You know, you but you've got to give your client the ability to contact everybody easily. And we've done that within a, we call it the injury wizard, but within 30 seconds, you can click a button four times on the app and it instantly notifies everybody and gets you engaged instantly. And that's a big deal because you already alluded to that earlier too. It, this lag time reporting, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, how good your people are, how good your software is. If nobody notifies you of claims happening, you can't release any of that. You know, there's nothing you can do to help until they engage you. So you got to make it easy for them to engage you. And then the third one is the Grand Central Station of Claims, where we built this online ecosystem that holds every teammate together. So you're not operating in your platform and your calendar and you're and I'm in mine and we're all behind our four walls doing this disconnected it's all happening real time in one platform online 24 7 365 nobody ever gets sick takes days off because it goes with you and it helps all the automation is holding everybody accountable and it's giving them just easy buttons to push with their thumbs to get these claims processed and through the systems faster and that, my friends, is how you lower mods, it's how you lower premiums, it's how you get to the lowest controllable cost, and it delivers a fantastic user experience. So that's Zendries. Go to Zendries.com, uh, request a demo, we'll show you how it works, and um, you'll like it. I promise cool. the results will speak for themselves. Cool deal, man. Listen, we are definitely going to have you back on. I appreciate you coming on today and being patient with me as I had to wrap up something. And if you're watching this on video, you see me looking at my monitor half the time. I'm still wrapping. Yeah, up. no problem. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the conversation. I think it's good. I think it's conversation that everybody needs to hear. And the one thing I'll tell you more than anything else is, um, you know, hearing your experience only validates what I already have suspected. And that is about 10% of you out there are actually going to take action and listen in what you listen to today and do something, whether it's to go out and get a demo of Jess's product or just to realize there's more to your game that you're missing than you realized and make yourself better as a result. And for the other 90%, we're coming for you. <laughs> we're coming for you. Get off the train track. That's what you can say. That, that's right. Have a great weekend, man. We'll talk yep, soon, thanks. buddy, and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you all. Appreciate you too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 